Hey everybody, welcome back to Unafraid. This is the podcast that shares stories and discussions from the queer life experience. I'm Jay, of course, and this is, gosh, I believe this is episode 38 now. Holy smokes. Uh, we're really getting up there. Um, you know, that, that's a lot for me. I know some shows may have hundreds, but 38, that's, that's a lot. That's only a few years uh, less than I am old. Um, so I'm really happy to be here with you guys today. I, I did not die of COVID, thank goodness, and I feel like I'm finally starting to feel better. You know, I can get out and I can snow blow the driveway, I can run the kids around, and I, I don't feel like I'm gasping for air all the time. So that's a, uh, that's a big plus in my book. Uh, the show sponsor, Rebecca Jonesy, is the author of the Mabs Doll series, where the Fae know that everyone is unique and all love is valid. Rebecca is a good friend of mine and a great ally to the queer community, and I'm so grateful um, that she decided to sponsor the show and, and make sure that it could keep going because, really, you know, podcasts don't make a lot of money. So <laughs> those of us who, who do them, we're, we're always spending our own money to, to try to get stuff done. And in this time of, of COVID, it, it's uh, tougher than ever to try to come up with those funds to keep things going. So thank you again, Rebecca. I really appreciate it. Well, today we have a really cool conversation um, in store for you, and, I, and I'm excited to get into it. So I'm going to go ahead and ask our guest, Kaya, to introduce herself. How are you, Kaya? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Well, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How are you and, guys doing? How well, are you doing? It's just me, but I guess you know I've got uh, my little baby Yoda stuffed animal over here, so we could consider Baby Yoda another character yes. if that makes you. <laughs> okay. Good. And I'm not going to ask you how the weather is because you're in Michigan on the west side, just like me, and so I know that it is bitter and cold. Yes, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> so what have you been doing this COVID season to keep yourself busy? Um, well, for a while there wasn't much to do. Um, and then, you know, I, I started slowly getting back into shifts at the coffee shop. So um, I've, you know, we just do curbside stuff and, you know, very minimal exposure type situation um and it's kind of been weird because you know everything's set up differently and yeah the peopling in everyday life has just changed so much um that we've just been kind of stuck with our dogs in the apartment <laughs> which is which has been fine actually yeah well, and and I, I think that a lot of people are in similar situations, and you know, it, it's not that bad. You know, I I feel <laughs> I feel more nervous now around people since since all of this began. Yeah. It's like you know, I'll go shopping, and I'm I don't want anyone near me. And <laughs> I, I yeah, it's making me more of an, of an introvert than I already was. Yeah, I think that I'm doing really well because I am an introvert. Um, I'm not. I'm not having a bad time about it. <laughs> but yeah, I feel the same way. Like I'm like, ah, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and for those of you listening out there, um, it's it's not often that I actually get to have someone that I know out in the real world that I've met in real life on the show, and so this is kind of fun because. Uh, 
Kaya and I have actually uh, known each other for a few years now. Um, I, I used to do a lot of photography, and Kaya used to do some modeling, and so we've we've crossed paths more than once, and it was always a good time. Yeah. Yeah, modeling has been a part of my life for a while, and it was fun for those, whatever year it was that I met you, I think I was modeling quite a lot, and yeah. um yeah, it was a good time. Well, and I, I think I, I met you at uh, another Kalamazoo photographer's house, uh, Strom, yeah. and there it was. There were tons of photographers there and tons of models, and I think you were getting pulled every which way. And uh, I, I remember, I remember very clearly that you were you were wearing elf ears on that day. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but you also you have some other stuff uh, going on uh, in the the time of Corona. Tell us tell us about your other big news that's been happening this year. Yeah, so um, we my wife and I started trying to get pregnant. Um, wow, it must have been well. Okay, it was April 2019. I think is when we like a first we first officially started trying um and that journey has been crazy but we actually finally conceived um right in the middle of like lockdown um it, it would have been I think uh July yeah it, it would have been July of, of last year. Whew. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that was, it was kind of crazy because it was, um, you know, obviously we'd been waiting a long time for it to happen. And then we were like, wow, we're just like right in the middle of a pandemic and here we are pregnant. Um, <laughs> well, congratulations. Which, first of all, <laughs> we were super excited, obviously, but then on top of it, it's like, okay, well, um, nothing is normal right now. <laughs> so like, how do we go forward? Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a crazy ride for sure. And, um, I'm actually now, now that I'm further along, like, I'm really grateful that it happened during this time because again, like I'm not a people person and, um, people stay away from me even though I'm pregnant, which is, you know, one of the, one of the main things that I was like really concerned about getting pregnant was random people coming up and touching my belly yes. because I don't like people. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not a people person and I just don't want people coming up and touching me and now we're in a pandemic and that would be a super crazy no-no anyway well yeah and i've i've never i've never liked that the touching of pregnant women's bellies especially by strangers and people did it to my wife all the time when she was pregnant and it wow. always drove me crazy and she always took it with you know she was always you know she took it with such a grace but um, but yeah, it's, it's always drive, driven me a, a little batty that, you know, you, you don't know this person, but because they have another human inside them, you, you want to touch them. And it's just, it's yeah, weird. It is really weird. <laughs> and, and it happens, it happens when the kid is out too. It seems like, you know, we had our niece a lot when she was a baby and it was like people would just come up and start talking to us. And like, we had people touching her feet try to touch her cheeks sometimes when she was, it was crazy. I was like, you, 
do you do that to people? Like, do you go up to other adults and do that? <laughs> I really hope not. But something about kids, something about babies, it just like removes some filter that people have. I don't know. So anyway, yeah, I'm I'm grateful that this is happening now, and uh, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Well, can you imagine if people did that though, like with with other adults, like that was the norm? They just someone would touch you in the store. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man. <laughs> so. So for quite a while now, um, you know, I, I've because I, I follow your posts on online, and you've you've posted posted about babies and and pregnancies um, long before you were pregnant. Um, you know, is there? Do you have a, a special relationship with with motherhood or or um, you know childbearing? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so I am a doula, and. Now I'm not going to remember how long it's been since I've been a doula, but it's been a few years now. Um, and honestly, four years? Yeah, four years. So um, honestly, I don't have like a great origin story for that because it's one of those things that I never like pictured myself being interested in. It's actually, like I never really pictured myself wanting my own child, let alone like being involved in birth in general. And so, yeah, it, I think honestly what did it, and I this is what I tell people every time, is that um, my wife and I were at our niece's, like when, when our niece was born, we were there. Um, and we watched that happen, and that was before I was a doula. And um, I think that's kind of like what tipped me into that feeling maybe I don't know I and also we we ended up having her for a lot of her life um she's four now or she's going to be four and we've essentially taken care of her for half of her life so um you know there is a lot there that's like we're we're parenting this child so I think that that's what put us into like we could probably have our own kid mode but then also I think it was her birth that was like yeah you could attend births like this would be a good time um and yeah it's been a really fun experience and I can tell that it's something that I am like meant to do because it's not it hasn't got to the point yet where it's like I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not tired of it. Like every time I go to a birth, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm doing this. You know, like it refreshes my, my passion for it, I guess. Um, so I think that I will probably be doing it a while. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of like my background with birth, which obviously really helps me now that I'm pregnant. Um, because I have a lot of good information about birth and I can hopefully apply it to myself. Well, in being a doula, do you, do you also use the services of a doula for your own pregnancy or are you kind of your own, your own doula? Well, we have a midwife that has an assistant and they have both been doulas and 
basically in any other circumstance, I would definitely recommend having uh, your own doula, you know, like you can't doula yourself while you're, I mean, I guess you, you could in your mind a little bit, but most of the time you can't, you know, be your own doula because you're in labor. And, um, so most doulas get a doula for themselves if they're giving birth, but, um, because there's going to be two people there already, um, I, aunt plus, plus Brit, obviously I will, I feel comfortable with that. Um, mostly just because I don't want like a bunch of people there. <laughs> I think that's the main thing, but also like both the midwife and the assistant started off as doulas. Um, and I don't know that's just where I'm at personally, but normally I'd recommend getting a doula, you know, that's for me, but you know, everybody's preferences are different. Well, and you said this, uh, your pregnancy journey started, um, or your trying to conceive journey started uh, April 2019, and you, you finally conceived uh, July 2020. So, you know, that's that's over a year there. Um, what what were kind of your, your first steps once you two decided that you, you wanted to have a baby? Um, well, yeah, first we were like, okay, how exactly do we want to do this? Um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And for us at the time, it was like, we really just want to conceive at home, um, as you know, privately and naturally as possible. That was just like our, our preference. Um, and so at that point we started looking up sperm banks was I think probably the first step. Um, and then the first issue that we ran into was that a lot of places don't um, ship the sperm to your house. They have to go through a doctor, like a lot of them, like you have to ship it to a doctor so that you can do it at the doctor's office or fertility clinic or whatever. And so that narrowed it down pretty quickly because there wasn't very many places available, you know, after that. And so then we found one that would ship it to our house. And then at that point, you just go on their site and every site is a little bit different, but essentially, you know, you get to like look at a lot of places will have like baby pictures of the donors um, you don't usually get like, uh, adult pictures, you know, like whatever they look like now. Um, and then also like their health information and also stuff that they write, which is varied by the website. So like they'll write little things about themselves, things about their childhood, um, that kind of thing, just so that you can get like a idea of their personality a little bit or like how they were raised or whatever. Um, and so again, they're, they're all different and they all vary, but it's essentially like you get to choose based on a little bit of everything, but not too much information. Cause obviously most of it is pretty anonymous until you commit. And then at that point, 
you can choose donors um, based on how anonymous they do want to be. So like there's some that just want to remain completely anonymous. They don't want the child to ever know who they are. You know, we wouldn't be able to know who they are, you know, just completely anonymous. And then there's, um, like, I can't remember what the, the middle ground is, but it's kind of like a limited, like limited knowledge. And I think that that is like at when the child turns 18, then the child is able to contact them. I believe, and I think that that's probably something that varies too. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, there's just like this, this kid can know who I am and, or like you can know who I am and whatever. Um, and usually you have to pay more money for the less anonymous people. Um, so there's a lot of filters that you kind of have to go through. And then you also have to figure out, you know, what your priorities are um, as far as like what you and your partner want to commit to or what you don't want to commit to. And um, so, yeah, it's a it's a whole process. So we started off there and um, I honestly we we ended up going like we ended up choosing a couple different donors um, throughout trying to get pregnant because, be, well, because it took so long, but also because we weren't, we didn't end up getting like super attached to one donor for a while. And um, I think that it was just like, I don't know, like we just wanted it to work so badly that especially at the beginning, we were just kind of like, I don't know, it wasn't like we were um, compromising anything that we wanted or something. But I think what happened with the first time is like, we ended up getting a couple vials or whatever. And then after that didn't work, we were like, okay, well, let's just try another one, you know, so somebody else, and to see if it would work. And like, so it wasn't like we were compromising what we wanted, but it was like, maybe somebody else will work. And then one time it was like, you know, this person's vials aren't available right now or whatever. And we just kind of, we weren't, we weren't committed basically. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. First, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit mind blown here because I, I didn't know that this is something that you could do at home, and I think that that's that's actually kind of awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, I but yeah, I'm I'm kind of kind of blown away by that. Um, is this is this something that's super expensive to to do to try? I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, if you have. I guess it probably depends on what your definition of expensive is, but actually part of the reason we wanted to do it at home is because it was sort of the cheapest option. However, um, 
shipping, like, and it, it all depends on obviously where you're getting it from. Um, but for doing it at home, I think we ended up paying like $700 every time we tried oh, wow. for one singular vial. Wow. So, okay. and that includes like, cause they have to ship a cryo tank with it. Um, and I think we ended up like at the end paying $800 a couple times. So it's like, <laughs> you know, and that's just for like one go, you know? Um, so it does get, uh, pricey if it's not working, especially, which is why I think people choose to not do it at home because the, there's other options. Uh, there's many other options, but the next option, you know, like the next thing in line would be, um, to go to a doctor or fertility clinic or whatever and do an IUI where they just put the sperm directly into your uterus. And it's, it's a pretty like simple procedure. Um, but you know, they like to charge a lot for it and, it is supposed to have like a higher success rate, but it's really not that much more. Um, like it, it's not that much more successful uh, than just trying at home. Um, but you know, that's what that's what people think they have to go and do. So anyway, yeah, it's it's an expensive process for sure, um, and we ended up conceiving at home, which, um, I'm, I'm grateful for, but we did at the end, um, actually right before COVID shut everything down, we had an appointment at the fertility clinic to start a round of IUIs. And I think it's, and that would have been, honestly, I think, probably maybe almost double what we had been paying per try at home. And it was like, you're supposed, they, they hoped that you would conceive within three try, like three rounds of IUI. So it's like not even, you know, obviously none of it is guaranteed, but they're not even thinking that you're going to get pregnant on the first try. Wow. wow. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 wild. It it really is. Um, now, at at any point when you when you first started, you know, when you made your appointment for the uh, fertility clinic or anything like that, or or when you were ordering stuff online, um, you know, was do you do you feel like your your gender or your your uh, sexual orientation was ever in question, or was that just not an issue? Um, you know. Definitely when we were doing it online, it was not at all even a, a thought because it was just like you order the thing and call it a day. Um, it's It wasn't a situation where they were asking questions about our life and stuff. Um, but then, you know, as soon as we switched over to um, when we did make the appointment and we went to it, it was very much like, you know, and I went, I went to this place because they said on their thing that they supported LGBTQ families, 
Um, and they, they had like a little page on it about their, or they had a little page on their website about it. Um, and they were local. So I was like, okay, cool. So then when we get there, it was very much, it was very like clear that that wasn't their main clientele, I guess, which is, you know, again, something that you're used to as a queer person, but, um, it didn't seem like they even had a avenue or path for queer families that it just didn't make sense. Like one of the main things that I was like, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? Is like when we got there, they had my wife fill out like I had had to fill out a bunch of medical stuff um, and like paperwork information, whatever, obviously. And then when we get there, they were like, okay, now she has to fill out all her insurance information and a whole her medical stuff and whatever. And it was like all the stuff that we had left blank on purpose because she isn't medically involved in the process. Um, and so like she filled it out and then you could tell that the person there that took the paperwork was kind of like, Oh, I guess, I I guess that's kind of pointless, you know, like it wasn't really needed. Um, and I guess, you know, there, there were like, and there are options where she could have been medically involved, I guess, but I'm not really sure that they really work with that kind of thing. Like, um, some queer couples will do like this situation where, you know, she could have given me one of her eggs and then we could have done like a IVF situation. I can't remember what that's called, but you know, like there are situations where she, she could have been medically involved, but I don't think that they are, they deal with that kind of stuff. And so that was just one of the, one of the things. And like, they didn't really seem to like acknowledge her as my partner. Um, which, yeah, (laughs) it it sounds, it seems like in, 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 and of course I I can throw stones, anyone can throw stones at, uh, but you know, it, it seems like even though they are, you know, claimed to be LGBTQ, uh, friendly that, you know, they, they don't quite have the infrastructure built up yet, and maybe they don't have the, the support system that's necessary, because this seems like a process, and I haven't gone through it, that you would like to have support, you know? Um, and yeah. it just doesn't seem like that's available just yet. Yeah, and I think I think it is way more available in places that are, you know, like bigger cities and places that are more populated with queer people, you know, this is just a small town in Michigan. So, you know, we didn't go into it expecting to, expecting anything really, I guess, but it was just kind of like very obvious that they didn't actually have a route, a clear route for a lesbian couple, which just didn't make sense to me, especially considering that um, now a lot more single people are trying to get pregnant and they totally had like an option for that, you know, like they were going to support that. So I don't know. It, it, 
essentially I'm operating in this situation as a single person trying to get pregnant. And so they just, I think they just didn't know what to do, you know, like they just <laughs> didn't know how to operate. That's what it sounds like, kind of, you know, and, and my, uh, my, my new doctor out in, um, in Allendale, she was recommended to me specifically by, by another trans person because she works with a lot of trans people and going into her office is completely different yet a hundred percent the same as going into any other doctors. It, it's, it's strange. It's like she deals with all of your issues. She doesn't make a big deal out of the fact that you're queer, but it's also not an, an afterthought. It, it's just like, this is something that's built into her program and, and she's just ready to roll with it. And it feels so good because I don't have to explain my evolving gender situation <laughs> every time I, yeah. I go in there. It's just, it's just part of the process. And then, and they, t they take down my preferred name and that's what they use with me. And it, it makes me really happy to have that support. And I think that that yeah. would be a really good thing for, for more businesses to adopt. Yeah, definitely. I'm hoping that people are coming around to it for sure. I, I definitely will say that the rest of our experiences with um, other like birth workers and professionals has been pretty good. Like we, we took um, a hypnobirthing class and our, like the person that taught that right off the bat was super inclusive and it didn't feel like it was work for her to like deal with a couple that wasn't straight. And, um, and our midwife has been super normal about everything too. So I, I feel like we're really lucky in that. And I, it was something that I was worried about, especially finding a midwife. I was like, I don't want to feel like this person, I, you know, I, birth is such a huge thing. Like, I don't want to have to be worried about whether she's got some weird homophobic thoughts about us, but is wanting to make the money or something. You know what I mean? It, yeah. I, I was worried about it and I'm really glad that we found somebody who's good. <laughs> who's she's, she's been really nice. So well, it seems like that, it seems like it added an, just a little bit more anxiety in though. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you found somebody good. Um, yeah. So you, you had an appointment to do the, the IUI. Is it, am yeah. I saying that right? Yeah. And, and then, but because COVID happened, you weren't able to go and then you ended up conceiving at home. Yeah. So we went for that initial appointment to set everything up. And then I was supposed to go and get some tests done and then they were going to schedule an IUI and pretty much immediately, I think it was maybe like a week or so after we were, after we had gone to that appointment that, um, everything shut down. And like, I remember getting an email from that fertility clinic and they like said that they were shutting down and like what their procedures were going to be and whatever. And I was like, Oh man. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, guess like, I think at that point we were like, well, we'll just see, you know, how long this wait or, you know, we were going to wait it out. And then it, 
I don't remember how long we waited, but I do remember being like, we need to just try again at home because, you know, at that point it had been, I think it had been a year, um, at the, at the point where we were like, I want to try again at home because yeah, I mean, everything shut down in March. So I, we probably waited a few weeks and then I was like, all right, no, <laughs> we got to keep trying because this is driving me insane. Um, and I think we ended up trying like uh, two or three more times at home and then finally conceived. Well, what was your what was your reaction on the day that you that you found out you were you were pregnant? You know, what what was your state of mind like? Um, oh, my gosh, I. It, it was kind of crazy because it was, I had gotten so used to not being pregnant that for that whole week, I was just thinking to myself like, ah, uh, you know, it probably didn't work or I, I can't remember exactly, but I think I had, I had a few reasons I thought that I wasn't pregnant. And so actually I waited a little bit longer than I normally would have to test to see if I was pregnant. And, um, I, I only ended up testing because I, I never got my period. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> this is, this means something, I guess. Um, and yeah, so I woke up and I was like, okay, well, I still still not bleeding, so something's going on. And Britt was in the shower, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna just test. And I took the test and just set it on the sink in the bathroom and like walked away, so that I wouldn't be like watching it. And came back like a minute or so later, and I was like, oh my god! And I tried not to like make a sound, you know. <laughs> Um, because Britt was in the shower and I just like ran out of the bathroom and shut all the doors behind me. And, um, I was like, holy crap. I was just like, I was shaking and I was like, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta, like I had this gift that I had wrapped up like around Christmas time for Brit for like when we got pregnant and I was like, Oh my God, I got to get the gift down and I have to like get this card out. And I was like trying to frantically do everything, not thinking about the fact that as soon as she got out of the shower, she would know because I'm so freaked out. You know, <laughs> I'm imagining your hands shaking as you're doing this. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And so then I'm like, I wanted to record her reaction too, but then she just got out of the shower and I was like, put some clothes on. <laughs> you need to put some clothes on right now. And like, of course she knew at that point, she was just like grinning and she was like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was kind of crazy. And then like after it like kind of settled in a little bit, we were just crying, you know, um, so it, yeah, it was a good day. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and I, I remember when, when I saw the news online that, that, uh, you two were pregnant, I, I had tears in my eye because I, I, I remember when you got married and I had tears in my eyes reading about <laughs> it. Just, it makes me so freaking happy for you guys. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, in, 
they for a long time i think the saying for uh for couples who are trying to conceive is you know once you stop trying it'll happen but that's not really that's not really something that you had the option to do right you know it's kind of right. like you keep trying yeah yeah that was um that's another part of the whole thing that um not that not that I ever felt like completely alone because I know that other queer queer couples um you know try to have babies but all of the you know the pregnancy groups and the mommy groups or whatever that I was a part of it was it was hard not to like feel some type of way about these people that just got to try every single month for free you know, essentially. And it, it was a lot of like, okay, well this month we conceived and like, I stopped, I stopped tracking my cycle and I stopped doing all of this. And like, we finally conceived and I'm like, I can't imagine (laughs) like being able to do that. Um, well, and I'm sure there was a little bit of of resentment, even if we don't necessarily want to use that word, but I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that's a natural feeling. Yeah. And yeah, for a while, um, at the beginning, it was a lot, I think it was a lot harder because I sort of just pictured like, well, as soon as we try, we're going to get pregnant. I didn't picture it being, you know, over a year long journey. So at the beginning, it was really hard for me not to be bitter about everyone else seemingly, you know, getting pregnant. And then I think at the end of it, it was, it was a lot easier for me to be happy for other people because I understood that this journey is something that so many other people go through and, um, you know, that our time would come and it would be okay. You know, everything was going to work out, but at the beginning it was very hard for me to like not be, yeah, resentful about it. Well, and I, I think that's understandable. We, you know, some very close friends of ours, um, you know, took them years to conceive, and they're a heterosexual couple. And um, I know that after a while that they started to get a little crabby and resentful towards other couples as well. But, you know, I, I understand. It's like, you know, you 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 want this. You know, you, you feel like it's, you, you should be able to have this, but but you can't. And, and it's got to be a, a really frustrating feeling, so... Yeah, it definitely got me thinking about all the things that I remember hearing as a younger person about, like, you can never have sex without a condom because you will get pregnant. And like, you can never like, it was just so (laughs) many things where I'm like, well, dang, like, (laughs) you could have skipped all of that. Yeah, what in the world? Like, and, and I know that other people have said the same thing, too. They were like, is anybody anybody feeling like that was just (laughs) a lie but I mean you know everybody's body is different everybody's situation is different there are many people who just get pregnant right off the bat so well and in the in the queer community especially there's so many different so many different people and and uh and types of people and and it's and and not even just to do with being pregnant you know I've I've talked about this on on here before but you know I I feel like I wish that I had known when I was when I was young that that I was queer that you know that 
there was something else going on and that I was not like yeah. the other boys because there are so many more experiences and so many more things that I, I might have done <clears throat> in my life. But, you know, now and now I'm 40, there's no going back, of course, but it's like, OK, well, I'm I'm going to spend the next however many years doing those things that I wasn't able to do before. Yeah, you know? right. right. So. Well, once once you did conceive, how has your pregnancy been? Because you're 30 weeks now, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, um, it's been really nice, honestly. Um, I am definitely blessed. I feel like my mom had really good pregnancies with both my sister and I. Um, and that's given me, that gave me a little bit of hope at the beginning um, because it is a, a lot to do with genetics. And so that, that made me feel better at the beginning. And then it's really just been nice on, I didn't, I wasn't super sick at the beginning. Um, I did feel like I was, I felt like I had, like I was, I was sick. I, I felt like my body was just kind of like icky. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but I wasn't like throwing up and I could still live my life. Um, and I know a lot of people just are out, you know, for the first trimester, they're just in bed. And I, so yeah, I felt really lucky with that. And then, um, yeah, as soon as second trimester hit, I was just back to normal completely. And a lot of times would just forget that I was pregnant because I felt so fine. And, um, really the only thing that reminds me that I'm pregnant is my belly at this point. And now, yeah, like I'm 30 weeks. And so now I'm just like, okay, I'm huge now. <laughs> like I can't, um, I, I can't forget that I'm pregnant at this point because the baby is moving so often. Um, you gotta be careful navigating around the house now too, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, um, hit my belly into a door the other day. Not very hard, but it was just like, I, I was so used to just being able to scooch through, you know, I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm skinny enough to do this. And just tried to scooch through and I hit my belly on the door and I was like, Oh, right. I'm not that size anymore. <laughs> Cause you were like, always so little before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's been an adjustment in that in that regard oh. well, my body's a different size <laughs> well you you probably expected me to to ask this and it, and it might be a tough question but uh you know what is there anything you could say or any advice or any pointers that you could give to other people that that want to conceive based on your journey um well there's so many things I'm sure that would be help. Honestly, what I have been telling people, um, on the mommy groups and stuff is that I conceived after I went to the chiropractor two times and I am going to swear by that for the rest of my life, <laughs> that that is what helped me conceive. Um, and I know that doesn't have anything to do with being queer or anything, but, um, I, I went, to, I went and got adjusted two times and then I spontaneously ovulated a few days early 
Um, and I also had like a weird feeling that that was going to happen. Um, like I remember getting done with the chiropractor for the second time and we were out running errands and I was like, I want to try tonight because I feel like I'm going to ovulate tomorrow. It was like, it was such a weird thing. And then sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, and I swear it was the chiropractor and I've been going to the chiropractor ever since. Um, and I also think that that's why my pregnancy has been so chill, um, because my body is nice and aligned and doing all the things that it needs to be doing. Um, so that's like the main thing that I think of every time people are like, how'd you, how'd you do it? How'd you get pregnant? Tell me how. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to discount your theory because chiropractors can do some amazing things. So, you know, maybe there's, maybe there is something to that. And, and, and if, and if it's like, if, if things worked for you, why, why question it? (laughs) Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's awesome. Uh, Cool. Well, Kaya, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. It was really nice to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And everybody out there listening, I hope that you enjoyed hearing a little bit about uh, Kaya's journey. I certainly enjoyed talking to her. Um, I want to thank one more time Rebecca Jonesy, our sponsor, author of the Mab's Doll series. Thanks so much for keeping this podcast going. And to everyone out there listening, stay safe and stay strong.